Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host, Father Anthony Tinker, along with my co-hosts, Father Peter Teresa McConnell. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. It is good to be alive. Good to be alive. I hope you all had a wonderful Palm Sunday. I got your palms mm-hmm. and uh, rode into Jerusalem with Jesus. And then right. also a good Passion Sunday. I remembered the fact that- That is correct. He died. And, uh, but he will rise again. And we're upcoming Easter is around he, the corner. In fact, he already has risen. He already risen from the dead, yes. But we're just liturgically running into liturgically. these parts, these mysteries. You know, just, we just entered in fully. Mm-hmm. We are fully entered in. We are on the end of Lent, which is shocking. It's been a fast Lent. Flying. I hope you have done well with your sacrifices. Even if not, it's not too late. Buckle down for Holy Week. That's right. Ask God for his many grace and blessings. And we are talking about the Seven Sorrows Rosary. So if you haven't been with us, please go back, listen to our last six episodes about the Seven Sorrows Rosary and this great devotion to Our Lady. And we turn on today to the seventh mystery, of this rosary, and that is laying Jesus in the tomb. So we know from the scriptures that Joseph of Arimathea um, goes and asks for the body of Jesus. That's it's a little surprised he's died so soon. Yes. But they go and they ensure that he's dead by piercing his side. Mm. And after piercing his side, he's taken down from the cross. And we talked about that last time, being laid in the arms of Our Lady. And then Joseph Mm. of Arimathea and Nicodemus and John the Beloved uh, along with Mary, the mother of God, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, uh, Mary, the sister of Mary, and Joanna, I think, are, are the different script, different gospels have different uh, renderings of who all is there. Yeah, uh, are all present from the gospels, and they carry Jesus over to the tomb, yeah. and they lay him. In, and and it's beautiful having been to the Holy Sepulchre. It's not a long walk. No, not at all. From That's the right. place who was crucified to yeah. the place was buried, which makes sense because they had to kill them before the sun went down because yeah. it was the Sabbath the next day, holy day. Uh, and they had to lay them quickly into the tomb. Right. In fact, they don't even have time to anoint the body. They have to go in, lay Jesus down, and they have to get back to their homes before the sun goes down as good Jews would have done mm-hmm. in order to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate the Sabbath, Sabbath. And so they lay Jesus down and Mary has to leave him there and to leave his dead body. And the sorrow that she would experience yeah. laying him in the tomb, laying him in the place of burial. Again, even as we talked about last time, knowing that he would rise again, fully fully understanding and believing in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. She still experienced the pain of not just the pain of separation from his soul, which she experienced when he died, now pain of separation from his body. Yeah. As she has to spend the next three days away from even the body of her son. Mm. and the pain she would have experienced, leaving him there, probably wanting to be buried with him, not <laughs> wanting to, to leave him. And then yeah, the pain that. she experienced yeah. going back to her and not even give, being able to give him the proper burial rites, mm-hmm. not being able to to do the annoying and everything else. They have to come back the, two days later. That's what we hear about. Mm. Mary Magdalene's got to come back because they haven't actually finished the burial rites because they're out of time. Mm. 
and leaving him, not, not even not even being able to fully go through those rituals and those rites to prepare yeah. him for death. Which, as we know from doing our own burials, how important those are. Being able yes. to go through that, all yes. those, the, being laying the person in the ground and doing the prayers, doing the 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 wake and all those things, which are so beautiful as a part of laying someone to rest. Yeah. And so we are at this seventh sword piercing Our Lady. Your initial thoughts and comments, Father. It's such a. Uh... I mean, because because we are we just celebrated, um, you know, th- this 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 episode's coming out during Holy Week, um, and so if you are listening to this as it's being released, you would have just celebrated, you know, Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, and the dramatic ritual that that is, and then we're we're gearing up towards like Holy Thursday and Good Friday, washing of the feet, we kiss the cross, our our rituals really kind of come to like a heightened pitch. Uh, and then there is just Holy Saturday. Uh, and, and it's sort of this sort of like awkward experience of like, well, like, what do we do now? You know, and uh, well, we just did all these like intense things. We've been fasting really hard. It's not quite Easter yet. There's this in-between time. And it is a day marked by just silence. Um, and I think that might contribute to some of the awkwardness in with which we live and experience that day because uh, we are so active. We're always doing things. It's hard for us just to slow down and be still. And we're also just inundated with images and noise and, and things like that. And so just to kind of be still and silent is is a particular challenge, I think, for us in our, in our modern world. But they lay him in the tomb and then they roll the stone. And then it's just sort of this like, well, now what? Like now, what do we do? <laughs> um, and and I think there's just a silence to that. I think, and I think in in my own meditation on this, in my own like entering and trying to live into the mystery, I think then Our Lady sort of models that for us, kind of lives that for us, invites us into that. I can imagine they would have been looking to her as they probably would have been doing this whole time. Like, well, well now what do we do, mom? You know what I mean? And, and then Mary's looking at her like, looking at her like, well, like what's she going to do? And I think she just enters into the silence and, and the waiting um, and, and the longing uh, for the return of her son. And, and so, you know, that's the discomforting thing when you're, when you turn to someone and you just get silence you're not sure what they're thinking or what they're feeling or what they're going through or what you're supposed to do with that. There's, there's no cue there. Um, but I think the cue from our lady is to just come into the silence with her. And you've talked about this beautiful aspect of now what, and just to move this into the practical for a second to sure, yeah. get back to our lady is I think we often experience that upon death. Mm. If you've ever lost someone who you love, someone dear to you, you oftentimes get real caught up in all the things that need to get done. Mm-hmm. There's the grief, but there's also, okay, where are we going to have the funeral? Who's going to have the funeral? Where, you know, do, who, what, what's the number of the funeral home? Like what casket yeah. are we going to do? Yeah. And there's all these things that can consume. And then all these people who show up and you have to be present. And they're, they're you know, just kind of in that everybody's trying to console you, but it's not always very consoling because it's just very busy. 
And then finally, after it's all over, you go back home and you're by yourself or you're with your immediate family. You take a deep breath. And oftentimes you begin to mourn for the first time. Not that there hasn't been sorrow, there hasn't been difficulty, there hasn't been distress, but it's been so busy, there hasn't been the silence. Because there's always been, what's the next thing, what's the next thing? You haven't really asked the question, what now? What do I do now that my loved one has passed? What do I do now? How is, you know, I, I, I now have a part of me that is gone. Mm-hmm. And how do I live on without this part of me? It's kind of, you know, especially they're really close, like an amputation. Like I've lost my left arm. Yeah. Like I'm still a person, I still can function, but how do I adjust to live without my left arm anymore? And I think a lot of people experience this and just an encouragement to turn to Our Lady in this time of science, this holy Saturday that you might be experiencing after the death of a loved one and before the final resurrection, we'll all meet again in heaven. That there's this call to silence, this call to enter into that difficult struggle of what now and to mourn. And to really cry and to be, but at the same time, in the midst of that, to have hope. Not to let that those tears turn to tears of despair, but to be able to be hopeful like Our Lady was, that resurrection was going to come. It doesn't mean we don't enter into that sorrow, but it does mean that there's still hope on the horizon in the midst of the pain that we're, we're feeling and experiencing. Yeah, no, that's so, so true. Um, and even, you know, and, and certainly the death of a loved one is is the most poignant death that we can experience. But but even just sort of any sort of loss, you know, it might be a new season of life. And, and now what? You know what I mean? And and so I think it's important just to 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 go there with our Lord and our Lady. And you know, I'm thinking about the scene, and we, you know, the resurrection accounts have you know, all the apostles together in the upper room. And so maybe John was with her for a minute, but not the whole time. Joseph has certainly already passed, you know what I mean? And so there is this all of a sudden where uh, she doesn't have uh, a husband or parent or child in this life anymore. That She doesn't have any more of those worldly ties, these biological ties. Uh, or she as for the first time in her life, you know, it's just her. And and now obviously, and, and, and who knows what she was experiencing spiritually, you know what I mean? What sort of communion she was having with the Trinity at that moment, you know what I mean? And um, but it is this recognition that just from a worldly a worldly view to it, you know, that uh, she's just she's she's just by herself right now. She's just by herself, and I think there's a, a particular pain of, of 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 loneliness, even even with the the hope and the expectation that on Easter Sunday she's going to see her son again. That this isn't the end. That she has hope, but uh, that doesn't negate what her what's happening in that particular moment, you know, and so. I think then she becomes for us uh, a mother and, and a companion for us in, in these moments where where we might find ourselves physically alone or with no one there maybe to physically understand or to comfort us where 
where she has already entered into that space spiritually. And so she's just there waiting for us. And that's one of the beautiful things about our faith is that we can commune with those who have gone before us. We can commune with her. We can have communion with her. And she knows exactly what that pain is, what that sorrow is, and just can be there for that, for that dark place in our hearts as well. I imagine her prayer was very deep, mm. but very dark. I think the joy of the resurrection only comes to, to in this fullness of what that right. experience is right. after the fullness of the darkness. Mm -hmm. The joy was that much sweeter because the darkness was that hard that obviously we know a sword pierced her heart. Like this is, yes. this is a seven, seven swords total and four of them have been in the past few hours <laughs> between the time she met him. There's some perspective for it. Along yeah. the way of the cross around 11 o'clock or so, if he was put up on at noon until, you know, four o'clock or so when he was buried after he died at three. Like this has not been a long time frame and four swords have pierced her heart. Yes. She has gone through a deep, deep, deep agony. And I think oftentimes we want immediately to say, oh, okay, well, the comfort's coming. And sometimes when you're suffering, you just get more suffering. Yeah. Like, okay, go ahead, Lord, that's been enough. Ooh, that was a tough, that was tough. You know, those four swords pretty difficult. Yeah. Uh, ready for the resurrection now. And the Lord just leaves you in the tomb. And you're just in the tomb with the Lord. And I have the sense of Mary just spiritually, mystically, just being in the tomb with her son. Mm. Now his body's there. And obviously we know his soul is up. He is crushing <laughs> shale, yes. opening up the gates yes. of heaven. Like awesome things are happening in the spiritual realm. And Mary, maybe Mary's participating in that. I'm, I'm fully um, open to that perspective, <laughs> but I just want to enter into the perspective of her spiritually being with the body of her son in the tomb, mm -hmm. in that dark place, in that, um, aloneness and which is full he's present his body is there it's still the body of christ but it's dead it's not vivified by the soul mm -hmm. that resurrection is yet to come and that mary enters into that so that we know that we're not alone in it because that's our human experience human experience is that dark place our human experience is that tomb far too often in life because of suffering, because of loneliness, because of depression, because of hardship, we enter into that tomb. And to know that we're not alone means so much. I, I might've told this story already, but I was listening to a guy talk about depression and this girl was suicidal and attempted suicide again. And he's counseling with her, et cetera. And, and he just looks at her and he's like, I want you to know that she wouldn't even talk to him. Like she's really ashamed of mm. this, another attempt. And he's like, I want you to know that like if you, like I understand, he just walked through her life, everything she'd been through. Like because of all the things you experienced, like if you can, it's been really hard. If he committed suicide, I would understand, mm. but I would miss you. Yeah. And she looks up with tears in her eyes. First time she talks to him the whole session. And she's like, well, if you understand, then I don't have to kill myself. Yeah. That, that she just felt so un misunderstood. Like nobody understood the pain she was in. Mm. And the fact that someone can say, listen, I understand the pain. Like I can't live it. And I understand the pain is so much, you might feel like you have to right. end your life, um, but I don't want that and I'll miss you. And if she, she, she just felt someone who understood the depths of the pain she was in. And, and I think that's what our lady tells us today. Like, I understand the depths of your pain. I see you, I mm. know you. Now 
you might still be in pain. It doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't mean the darkness is taken away, but simply know that you're known and understood in the midst of the pain is so comforting. So to turn to Our Lady and know that she's experienced this, whatever you're going through, she's experienced it. That pain, that suffering, that longing, she's experienced it. And she's with you in the midst of it. I'm curious if you have any thoughts uh, as we're we're meditating upon the tomb, and I know you know a lot of people will you know draw theological implications of the fact that that he's laid the tomb is in a garden, mm-hmm. uh, and so that Our Lady and whoever was with her, you know the you know. Um, Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus, the other Marys, you know, they, they, they bring him to this garden where this tomb is. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that, if that, if that's, if that's a fair question. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, again, it's the garden. It's this theological that deep that he was buried in a garden, pointing right back to the garden of Eden. Mm. uh, That's he was on the tree of life. Okay, yeah. So he is the fruit of the tree of life. Mm-hmm. So in the garden, there's the fruit of the tree of life. Yeah. And he has, he is that fruit and we will eat that fruit in the Eucharist. We eat his very body and blood, yeah. which is eating the fruit of the tree of life, which gives us life. Uh, he's in the garden and laid to rest, just like Adam was sleeping hmm. before Eve was drawn out from his side. Yeah. That new life came out of the resting of Adam. It's the rest of contemplation that Jesus is now resting in the tomb that he who is now the fruit of the tree of life, who is also the new Adam, is now resting in new life. The life of resurrection is being drawn out of his side. That the church has been born from the pierced side of Jesus yeah. uh, that that was born, that, that is, has been born forth. And I know it's opposite order, but still all the symbolism is there. Yeah. Of, And then with Mary in particular, she's the new Eve. Yeah. And she who is the new Eve, as the first Eve... Um, eight of the fruit of the knowledge of, tree, of good and evil to become like God. Now the new Eve decides to eat of the fruit of the tree of life and decides to be obedient and to say fiat. And that fiat that she said was fiat to this moment. Yeah, It was not just fiat of, okay, Jesus is going to be born and life's going to be easy. It was fiat to, she knew the suffering servant Psalms. Like she, she was aware in, in a sense, maybe not fully, but in a sense of what she was saying yes to. And, and here it is, the, 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 the fruit of her fiat, of her yes. Yeah. And as the first Eve was like, mm, too hard, I want to be my own God. <laughs> the new Eve, Mary, the perfect Eve, she says yes to the plan of the God, even despite the suffering in the midst of the suffering. And says, no, I will not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. I will not turn and be disobedient to God. I will stay faithful to the fiat I gave um, to all the way through. And obviously that's why she's the new Eve and we have life. She is, she is the perfection of humanity. Uh, she who is fully human said yes, and she's the model of who we are all called to be. Thank you. That's really awesome. It, we're kind of uh, for for some reason this particular mystery is wrapped in the most mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I think because there is this silence around it, uh, and so it's really kind of hard to really penetrate that silence and what is happening here. But what you just said about, you know, she's the new Eve and, and she said, yes, that fiat was for that moment and for all the moments and then for this 
seminal culmination moment of, of redemption. And it just makes me think of just how much she's suffering during this time, but but she's also like a source of strength for Jesus during this time where she has said yes to this. And so when Jesus sees her on the way of the cross or when Jesus even sees her on the cross, he's not seeing someone who is just begging him to end this. Like, um, you know, and, and how much, like, you know, you know, you know, we, you, cause, cause she knows that like, she, he could do that, you know, um, but she's so one with that mystery where she's not, where Jesus doesn't look at her and, and see someone who's so distressed and, and is in so much pain where he's like, like, I have to do something to prevent mom from feeling this way, that she's just totally in it. And, and that probably was an encouragement to his humanity to, to persevere in all of this. And, and just even that, and then that oneness with this part of the mystery where, where Christ is silent and there's something redemptive is happening, even though we can't see it, we can't hear it. And something like you were saying, deep and use the word dark, you know, mysterious is happening in our lady's soul, even though we can't see it or can't hear it. And and I think that then that's also true for us when we say our own fiats to God's will. We don't even always know what the heck is going on inside of us on the spiritual realm and how the Lord is saving us and redeeming us and, 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 and strengthening us. Something deep and dark and mysterious is happening within us that God is doing in the silence of, of the deep, deep places that in our own tombs that we don't even recognize that that's something beautiful is happening there. It's the mystery of the saints Mm. that they desire more suffering Mm. that the St. Francis's of the worlds go up on Mount (laughs) Laverna and are like, Lord, I want to be more perfectly united to your cross. I I want to deep, a a deeper experience of your suffering. Uh, It's, I mean, the only analogy I have, which is a terrible analogy, but it's <laughs> like my friend Joe and I would do a lot of workouts to, for football. Like summer, we'd train together and mm-hmm. we'd go lifting weights and doing sprints. And uh, when he, one of us was done, the other one would be like, you got a couple more in you. Mm-hmm. Like you got a couple more, like you got you do the lift this, you got a couple more in you for this bench press. You got a couple, well, let's do a couple more 40s. Let's do a couple more sprints. Like it's yeah. just, when your body's like, I don't want to go anymore. Like the other one's like a little bit more. Like, why? Well, because we wanted to be, like we wanted to win the championship. Yep. Like we wanted to be really good at football and we wanted to push each other. And we pushed each other so we could be our best because we know we were part of the team. We wanted to win. Yeah. And the Saints are that for us as well because they've done it. They were the ones mm. who did the extra sprints. They're the ones who did the extra. And they said, I want to be more united. Like, Lord, whatever you desire. And, and Mary is like, okay, Lord, like more suffering, like more darkness, more more pain, not for because suffering is an end in itself, but mm-hmm. because I know that the suffering is united to the suffering you gave for the sake of all humanity. And if this sword piercing my heart in any way helps with the salvation of souls that you've won, that he, you've done, but I can be united to, to make up for its lacking in the sufferings of Christ, to my heart to be opened up, to pour out many graces upon the people of God, then yes, then fiat. And I think for us as well, we, we lose track of that mentality sometimes. Not again, the suffering is in in itself, but there's times when God is saying, well, are you willing to suffer for the sake of my glory? Are you willing to, to 
to go through this difficult time. And sometimes we're like, nope. Like, Lord, more grace? Oh, yeah. Like, more blessing? Sure. More easy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> more suffering? No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Don't want it? Avoid it, please. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's like, well, are you, are, are you willing? Like, would you, would you be this part of the body of Christ for me that's willing to suffer for my glory? And, and the saints are able to say yes to that. And, and it's a call for us to imitate this and say yes. Again, not that necessarily the Lord's going to call us to that, but there's always going to be times of suffering. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of it, we can even say, okay, Lord, what, fiat, if this is the, what you're going to do in my life right now to draw me closer to you, to, for the salvation of souls, then I thirst for souls. Mm-hmm. And I join the thirst you had on the cross. And I want to unite my little sufferings with your ultimate suffering for the sake of the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's so mysterious. Yeah, we'll just we'll just stay there <laughs> and move into the, the other topic we're going to talk about. It's just the Triduum, the Holy Triduum. Yeah. I'll just give a brief yeah. kind of overview in the time we have left. What's coming up? An encouragement if you've not participated in the Triduum to do it. Or if you do participate in the Triduum, maybe you can go a little deeper this year. Hmm. Let's start with Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, the church does not have mass on Thursday morning, except yes. for Chrism Mass. Chrism Mass is allowed uh, on that Thursday morning. But generally, and a lot of people have cri- do Chrism Masses other times, other places. But the only Mass of that day is the Lord's Supper Mass. Um, I'm going to say it's my favorite of the Triduum mm. for all of them. So <laughs> you're going to hear me say this Touché. for each of them. But for this one, it's my favorite because of the Eucharistic prayer. Mm. because it's the Eucharistic prayer you only say yeah. on Holy Thursday. You never say it any other day of the whole year yeah. where you're saying uh, on the night, you know, I forget the exact words, but it was on the night that he took the yes. That is tonight. That's right. Like tonight we are re-entering into the mm-hmm. night where he instituted the Eucharist. It's just like, ah. So for me, that is as a priest, the most powerful moment of that mass. But uh, the washing of the feet is always very humbling, you know, mm-hmm. time to really remember mm-hmm. the God washed people's feet and it's what's kind of interesting because i'm so used to it now it doesn't really bother me anymore but always the people i love looking at the people's face because you know the men are always like father i don't really like you washing my feet. it's kind of like you get the peter moment like lord like, yeah, no, no 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 like i'm not, a lot of peters up there there's a lot of peters which is so beautiful you yeah know, the people of god and, and how how just to recognize like oh wow like a priest washing my feet like oh mm-hmm. even more so the apostle like jesus is washing my feet um, and then uh, obviously uh, just the, the beautiful time where we possess with the Eucharist out at the end of mass. And we have a, a time of, of usually of an altar of repose mm-hmm. where we remember um, Jesus who is in the agony of the garden and the beautiful meditation of he had the last supper and then he went out to the agony of the garden, which is such a, talk about mystery, mysterious times. Yes. Like everybody's asleep <laughs> yeah, and you're sweating blood, <laughs> yep. feeling totally alone. And you're like, um, I'd like this cup of suffering to pass, please, Father, yeah. if possible. Yeah, I know. Yeah. If, if Jesus is at that point, you know, things are, uh, yeah. <laughs> things are, things are hard. And yet he's like, but not my will, your will be done. Uh, so it's a beautiful time. I encourage you, if you go to the Easter, uh, the Holy Thursday, go, run a beautiful mass. Mm-hmm. And then also to spend some time afterwards. Right. Oftentimes you like do the procession, then you kind of head out, but yeah. plan it, eat early. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Use the restroom and go and take a little bit of time, a whole hour. You know, Jesus says, cannot spend an hour with me. Mm-hmm. And go and spend some time and meditate upon Jesus being in the garden and enter into this mystery of we just celebrated the Last Supper and we're entering into the, the garden at this time. I just want to provide maybe just like a Marian lens, a way of, of entering into it. So we know that Our Lady was not historically physically present at the Last Supper. Um, and so, you know, we're not, 
uh, and, and we get to participate in that mystery, like sacramentally, you know, I mean, through the liturgy. Um, and so, so our lady would have then done likewise that she would have experienced that mystery, you know, the same way that we experience the mystery. Um, and it's, I always, I'm always just so struck by images that depict the apostles giving our lady the Eucharist, you know, yeah. and it's just like, oh my gosh, like our lady received the Eucharist. That's like totally incredible, you know? And so that is the night in which the priesthood and the Eucharist are, are instituted. And just to think about uh, our lady's first communion and then just allow that to maybe just make a space to then receive the Eucharist that night with just the love and the charity and the devotion that Our Lady would have received, the Eucharist as well. Yeah. We then move into Friday, Good Friday, where we celebrate the death of Jesus. So we actually believe it's one continuous liturgy. Yeah. So when you enter into that Thursday liturgy, you're continuing this liturgy yep. up until the Easter Vigil, which is why Good Friday does not begin with the sign of the cross. That's right. That begins with the Lord be with you. It begins in silence with the priest coming out and prostrating himself. I remember doing that for the first time. Yeah. It, it's so yeah. profound. Mm -hmm. It just, it's silent. And the the liturgy is intentionally very silent. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of music to it. Right, the, very you, stark. Your, your only instrumental accompaniment to words itself, but it's a very, very, very stark. You don't, you don't even celebrate the Eucharist as far as the consecration of the Eucharist right. because it is the day in which Jesus died. Yeah. We do have a communion distribution, uh, which is the communion that was consecrated the night, the night before, but it's, which makes it a little bit shorter liturgy in one sense, uh, but not really because there's a lot of other things. Right. The two, the big things being added are the veneration of the cross, mm -hmm. which again, another profound moment where you really get to kiss and remember the beauty of the cross and the symbol of our faith, the symbol of that our Lord took on an instrument of torture and he took an instrument of torture and made it life, that he could take anything, anything in order to bring life out of it. That's who he is as God. Yeah. And then we do these beautiful intercessions where we take a long time. We actually kneel mm -hmm. throughout the intercessions, the universal prayer to pray for every, anybody and everybody from the beginning to the end to pray for our church, to pray for the world. There's these actually profound aspects to this liturgy. And I love we sing the reproaches yeah. Which are these beautiful? As hopefully, if you're if you if your church doesn't do it, go somewhere. Look them up. Yeah. <laughs> these be this beautiful. Yeah. You know, uh, what have I done? It's like the Lord speaking, like mm -hmm. my people. What have I done to you? Mm -hmm. uh, and and then to just go through like I gave you manna in the desert, and you gave me scour a scourging with lashes, and you're yeah. like ah. <laughs> yeah. So it's this, this beautiful liturgy. Highly recommend. Typically, the church can do about three. I know some places do it in the evening, mm. but uh, it's it's just beautiful, beautiful liturgy. Yeah, I mean, I would also just highly recommend praying the Stations of the Cross that day, making the way of the cross with Our Lady, especially as we've been doing, you know, these seven sorrows, maybe pray a seven sorrows rosary. But but at that liturgy, uh, just the the real powerful symbol is we get to come up and we get to kiss the cross. And, and you know, the, our Lord, you know, kisses the cross. You know, I, I would imagine, you know, maybe... Our Lady kissed the cross at one point too, you know. I'm sure that just shocked everyone, you know, after they've taken Jesus down and she's like there, you know, she gives the cross a kiss and just to just allow her to kind of inspire you and in that love and devotion for, for the cross that day. 
Also a recommendation if you go to an afternoon liturgy to go to St. Stephen's Byzantine Cathedral. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And if you're in Phoenix. If you're in Phoenix. Yeah. The, the burial service, or if there's a Byzantine church near you, the burial service that they do on Good Friday evening. Yeah. Really beautiful, beautiful service yeah. where they, yeah. you know, do a lot of, uh, basically they go through a burial reenactment mm-hmm. of the Lord. And we don't always focus on the burial itself in the liturgy. Right. And so there's a beautiful, beautiful act- enactment. Then we go into a lot of silence, you know, from Friday at three o'clock generally until Saturday evening, we're just no liturgy. You cannot, we can't, we can hear confessions and do anointings, right. but nothing else. That's right. Yeah. And it's a, a very lot of quiet, a lot of prayer. And then we go to the beautiful Easter vigil. We start with fire outside. We have candles. We sing the awesome exaltets. Mm-hmm. We baptize people. We bring people into the church. We have these long uh, seven readings, you know, the Old Testament, all about the fulfillment. And then it's all dark and then boom, light comes on. We <laughs> sing the Alleluia. We have the yes. Gloria. We do the gospel. It's resurrection uh, because we have new life. And it's it, it's it's the most symbolic liturgy of the year, mm-hmm. uh, the most beautiful liturgy of the year. I highly recommend. It. If you've never been to Easter vigil, it is long. You know, yep. it's a couple hours, oh, but it's so amazing. But it is worth it. Enter in. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah, buckle in. Yes, you you will spend less time at the liturgy than you did watching the Super Bowl. That's a fair point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you can watch the Super Bowl and all the commercials, <laughs> you can come and pay attention and enjoy the most uh, important mass of the entire. Yeah, year. that's right. Uh, I would just say, you know, because it's such a, a festive celebration and, you know, there, there's all the, the, the alleluia's back and there's there's lights coming on and, and there's songs and there's all these readings. Uh, but then just to remember, you know, that Our Lady appeared, or sorry, Our Lord appeared to Our Lady after his resurrection. And, and, and I, it's just a one-on-one encounter, you know. And, and just to remember that, that like Jesus rose for you, you know, and he wants to encounter you personally, individually. And so just let yourself just encounter the risen Lord and, and just bring you personally, individually, you know, as you're there with the body to be saved that night and just to allow the Lord to meet you and redeem you. Yeah. And then Easter, it's, Kind of like a Sunday mass because yeah. it, we celebrate resurrection every Sunday. Yep. We do uh, our profession of faith, renunciation of sin, and we do the sprinkling rite. Mm-hmm. Really be the main difference. But yeah. in general, it's just a beautiful. Yeah. And finally, the Alleluia is back. The glory is back. That's right. And yeah. the festivity, a lot of Alleluia. Sing as many. I say Alleluia as many times That's as you right. can. That's right. Ring on some Easter bells. Sunday. Ring mm-hmm. some bells. Father, as our question of the day, is there okay. a particular moment of any of the Triduum masses? Not sorry, the whole mass itself, but any moment that really you're looking forward to this Triduum. Always the exalted. I love the exalted. You know, it's, it's, uh, we, we kind of like sing it in the dark and it's just there by the burning Easter candle. And you're just singing about just the, the holiness of the night and, and, and you're blessing the candle, the, the fire and the candle represents Jesus in this very special way as the light of the world. And so, uh, it's just by far my, my favorite thing that we do. Yeah. That's, that's pretty exciting. I think I'm looking forward to this year that, that time of the altar of repose. It's yeah. Prayer post Holy Thursday, that beautiful time. And you see altars repose. Like I know uh, Harry St. John's do a beautiful job making a beautiful altar. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they do. Just go and you, you join do. Jesus in the garden. 
He's going to get to pray and be with him. Amen. And it's a very important time because it's such an important moment in our history to reflect upon. Amen. So we ask the Lord's blessing to be upon all of you who've journeyed with us throughout this Lenten season, that the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. May Almighty God bless you as I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a wonderful Easter. Please Easter, like everybody. or subscribe yes. to the podcast. Thank you. Um, share it with your friends. And we probably will not be back with you in a week because Holy Week is next week and we'll see if we're able to get to it. But the week after, it's The Chosen. So come and join us as we reflect on The Chosen, maybe for an episode, maybe two. We got to figure that out. But God bless you. Have a great day. Bye. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith. That's becomefire.faith. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.